Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Regions believes that being a bank means serving the community. Regions is shining the light on local food banks as they feed our neighbors in need. See how you can help at regions.com slash food bank. The Regions branches are open by drive through or lobby appointment only. Bank safely and securely from almost anywhere with Regions Online banking or mobile banking. Data rates may apply. Regions Bank. Member FDIC. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. We never forget that it's your money. And ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating. This is the Duly Noted Podcast. Everything Florida Gators with your host, Pat Dooley. Okay, welcome into another Duly Noted Podcast. Uh, This week, there will only be this one. Obviously, uh, no Florida game again this week, which is kind of strange when you think about it. Think about the games. Right now, we're at six. That's the magic number. Six games that have been canceled or postponed for Florida. When you think about it, four non-cons, the three um, fluff games in FSU, which was a fluff game, but I don't know. The way they're playing, I, I'm kind of glad Florida doesn't have them at the end of the year. Um, and then these two games against LSU and Missouri that have been postponed to later in the season. So we're at six. But, I mean, again, that's what we knew the potential was all along for this kind of thing to happen. Um, we'll just do the one today, and then uh, next week we'll be back to two a week when uh, assuming – Florida does play Missouri. Our special guest today, a little bit later, will be Carlos Alvarez. There is a documentary coming out about Carlos on it, the SEC Network, that I am so excited about seeing. And, um, you know, he's Carlos Alvarez is my favorite player of all time at Florida, of all time. I mean, I I have a relationship with him, and he's a good friend. And at any rate, I uh, something I wrote on Sunday, and I gotta I gotta go back to my where my mindset was on Sunday, and this was in my Sunday blog, and I was just discouraged after watching Georgia and Alabama play, and just sitting there going, "Well, Florida can't play with these two teams," and so I I wrote a blog, and part of the blog was. The season's over. Now, that was kind of a stupid thing to write, okay? It was a mood I was in, and the season obviously isn't over. But the reason for me writing that wasn't just that it was pretty clear that Florida has no business playing with Alabama and Georgia right now. They're, they're, they, have a lot better, they have a lot more good players than Florida's got. And I think any of you watch that game, you know that. But the biggest reason was because Florida needed to be playing games, and we talked about it last week. Florida really needed to be playing games rather than have these basically three weeks between games. No practices. Um, Look, it's one of those – it happens. This is what has happened to Florida. They had the outbreak. 
Uh, basically, because of travel, um, we haven't heard anything more about it. I, I can tell you this. One thing I heard was that there was one elevator in the hotel. The other elevators broke. And at some point, you would think that somebody would say, hey, we, we need to do something about this. But obviously, you're piling players into an elevator, and a couple of them have the disease or the or the virus. And next thing you know, 10 of them have it. So, of course, Dan Mullen uh, had it. Uh, he had it. I, I would like to know his timeline. I, I kind of know his timeline, but it goes back way before Saturday when it was announced. Uh, and I tried to check on it, but I was rebuffed. But anyway, none of that, let's, let's not worry about any of that stuff, okay? Bottom line is, the reason I wrote what I wrote, and, I, and I've, I went back and read it over uh, the next day after some people were critical of it, and I went, it might have been a little harsh. And I'm going to give you a feel-good before I get done here, okay? But the reason was is that this is a team that needs to be hitting people right now. They need to be tackling people and learning how to tackle again because they've clearly forgotten. They need to understand how to play defense, and you don't learn watching tape. Tape helps, you, and you take that tape and you, and you apply it, but if you don't apply it, it doesn't help. So to not be able to apply it, not to have all these practices, this is a young defense they needed it. This is why I felt the way I did. Because Florida feels like a big unknown right now. Florida football team feels like a big unknown. We don't know what's going on. We don't know. Heck, I'll tell you. For all we know, some players have opted out. I don't know that they have but but and, or could opt out because they go, you know what? I've had it with this. This is not fun. So that's why... I, I kind of wrote what I wrote, and, and uh, I'm, I'm not saying I don't stand by it, but to say the season's over probably was the wrong way to go. This season's not going to be what we, we thought it was going to be. And it wasn't just the loss to Texas A&M. It was a lot of things. It was all these weeks off. They don't need weeks off. The last thing they need is weeks off. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, it, and the fact that the schedule – Seems to have gotten tougher. What's the word I'm looking for? The whole, I can't come up with the right word, so I'm just going to say the whole reason that a lot of people liked Florida going into this football season was it was because Florida's schedule was pretty soft. They didn't have anybody in the non-conference, and that included FSU. They had LSU at home. They're, they, they drew uh, Ole Miss from the other side. And you felt pretty good about the Gators' schedule in terms of home games. All it was going to come down to is could they beat, could they beat Georgia. Now the schedule looks a little different. A, you have to finish with uh, Tennessee and LSU to finish the season. That's not going to be easy. Missouri looks a little bit better than we thought. Kentucky looks like, uh, okay, they're better than you thought. Maybe, maybe uh, that team that... Um, from Ole Miss isn't as good as we thought, and certainly not as good as Alabama fans thought after they lost this weekend. Kentucky looks a little like I – I think Kentucky looks more like what I thought they'd be than what they looked like in the first part of the year. So the schedule looks a little tougher maybe. They're, that's true. But – and there's a big but here, and I have a big but. 
I'm going to come back after this break, and I'm going to tell you why I can I can give you a reason, several reasons, why this could still be the special year that we thought it could be, okay? It's worth staying through the break, and I'll come by and tell you. Right after this, you're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. Bring game day tailgates home this season after a stop at ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Stock up your huddle with beer, hard seltzers, your favorite wine, or something sparkling. ABC is Florida family-owned and has been getting Gator fans ready for kickoff since 1936. Head inside one of their 125 stores around the state or try their curbside service by ordering online at abcfws.com. ABC Access loyalty members can save $10 on wine, 10% on beer and hard seltzers, and earn points toward $5 coupons. ABC, always be celebrating. If you're a Gator fan who believes that people should be treated better, join ViStar. Our members have enjoyed friendly, personal service since 1952. A smile and personal greeting when entering a branch. An online or phone chat for those quick questions. And a call center that's open every day. At ViStar, we never forget that it's your money. Proud partner of the Florida Gators. All loans subject to approval. Insured by NCUA. Okay, so here are my reasons why this could end up being okay. And maybe I overreacted, but I've done that before. Do you remember two years ago when they lost to Kentucky and Robbie and I said, this team's not going to a bowl game. They're terrible. And what did they do? They went to the Peach Bowl, won that game, had a great year, 10-win season. So sometimes we overreact. And the difference is you can overreact even if you call into a sports talk radio show and overreact. It's forgotten. Nobody's remembering it a week week from now. Nobody's remembering it a day from now. Nobody's remembering it an hour from now. But you write it, it's up there, and it's not going away. I mean, I'm not going to go delete it. <laughs> but I'm going to give you reasons why I've kind of thought this through, and there is a path for this football team. Number one, I think Florida's playing a two-game season right now over these next two weeks after they get through this another bye week. With Missouri, who, look, Missouri has a good offensive coach and and they found their their quarterback, but they can't stop anybody. They're one and two. They got Kentucky this week. It's going to be fascinating to watch that game and see what they look like. And then Georgia, of course, and Georgia has Kentucky the week before Florida. Um, Kentucky's a physical team. Might beat up on them a little bit. You never know what's going to happen. And certainly they're – look, Georgia is better than Florida if we're talking pure talent. Okay, there's no question about it. You cannot have watched the last two games Georgia's played and feel any differently. But it's college football. Find a way. Find the plays. See what happens. And then, so let's just say Florida can beat Missouri, and then Florida beats Georgia. 
Now Georgia's got two losses and Florida's got a tiebreaker. So Florida's got a game and a half lead and they've got Arkansas left, which is way better than we thought they were, right? But you don't think Felipe is going to do some crazy wild things here in the swamp like he did when he played here? Sam Pittman has done an amazing job. Amazing job. But Florida's better than, than Arkansas. You got Kentucky. Kentucky's, you know, seems to be finding themselves a little bit. It'll be a tough game. Certainly winnable. And then the Tennessee LSU and, of course, Vanderbilt. We know what's going on there. Vandy may have opted out by then. And then the Tennessee LSU finish. We all know what LSU – now, Now this is, again, where part of my issue with, with Florida not being able to play last week is that Miles Brennan was out, wasn't going to play, may not play this week. Um, but you also wonder with him not playing this week um, – which I don't think he's gonna. They said he had a significant lower leg injury, and they're playing South Carolina. You know, did they get to a point where their guys are going, "Hey, this has been a weird year. I'm kind of not gonna. I don't know if I've got it. I don't know if I really want to do this." And certainly Tennessee is has some good players, and and they were. Way too full of themselves. They're back to being the Kardashians. They've gotten straightened out over the last two weeks. So there is a path for Florida to still go nine and one. Nine and one. You're in the playoffs. You're playing Alabama. I don't like your chances. What the hell though? You know, stranger things have happened. Let's just watch the game. And if you win, and if you win that game you get to go to the playoffs. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. And, and and that's the one thing I wrote that I that I, I do regret, to say their season is over. It's not over. Um, and first of all, somebody was very upset. Because, what, what do you think, the, the players should quit playing? No, of course not. Nobody's reading anything I write. And the, the, these kids now, now, they don't, you know, unless somebody put it on Instagram, they're not reading it. You think the the fans should stop going to the game? No, of course not. They went during 0-10-1. They were fine. Not going to the game anyway. Can't sell it out. Can't sell out a 17,000-seat arena. It's not about that. They'll be fine. So I'm just going to sit back and have one more week where I don't have to think about the Gators playing and, and that game that they're going to be playing and then see what happens. Instead of overreacting. So here's my, (laughs) to sum up, I probably overreacted to the way I felt. I was not in a good mood. I've had a very, very, and I'm not going to get into personal stuff. It's been a very, very rough few weeks here. And uh, probably overreacted to not, to to being in a bad mood. Um, But I still don't like Florida's chances. That hasn't changed. I don't like them having three weeks off between games. I don't like them having two weeks without any practice. We don't know when they're going to practice right now as we sit here today. So that's a real issue. But it's not over. They still have a chance. Let's see what happens next Saturday. Let's see what happens this Saturday. I'm curious to watch 
that Missouri-Kentucky game. So I will say this. I did get to that saturation point Saturday where I was like, I don't want to watch the NFL because I'm just I'm kind of footballed out. And I'll be okay because, you know, you watch the Wednesday game, Thursday game, Friday game, Saturday game, 12 to 12, noon to midnight, and you just kind of like, I thought this was heaven. And it is heaven once a week, once a year. But for me, it really, as much as I love the game, it, it, it's almost gotten to be a little too much. And I'm going to probably do it again this weekend. But I'm going to try to stay away from the, the those midweek games because they're, they're, it's, it's, I think maybe I'm just watching too much. Um, so, and, and, of course, there have been other sports on, all, all kinds of other things going on. But it was pretty clear watching that game that Alabama's the best team in the SEC, and Georgia's a close second, but they're not second. I mean, I didn't put that the right way. They're second, but they're not a close second. I think Alabama could be Georgia, and 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 here's the other thing: Georgia could very easily go nine and two. Would they get the, still go in the playoffs? Because they'll lose if they do beat Florida. They would lose to Alabama again, and then they're nine and two. And would they go to the playoffs? So that'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, obviously, over the weekend too, it was fun to watch some of the games. Uh, Auburn, South Carolina was fun for me. I, I sent Will Muschamp a text after the game and just congratulated him. I, I, and, and I told him, and I said this on this this podcast. I watched that South Carolina team play, and I said this is not a bad team at all. They 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 kind of got into a hole. They dug themselves a little bit of that hole, but um, this is a pretty good team. They're not great, and and so I wasn't surprised that they beat Auburn. But I feel like that's what the SEC has become. It's like there's this elite team. There's this team that's not quite elite, but they're really much. They're they're better than everybody else. And then there's about eight or nine teams that are about the same. They're kind of pillow fighting. And, you know, one can beat the other and the other one can beat the other. And, and then, of course, there's Vandy, <laughs> you know, down there by themselves. So it, that's what this league feels like right now. Um, but watching that Arkansas Miss game was amazing. That was a fun game to watch. Uh, how about Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin? The two geniuses are now a combined two and six. This is what happens when you play nothing but SEC games. You don't get to puff up your schedule. And even even the – and this is what I'm talking about. Everybody in this league is okay, except Vanderbilt. Everybody's okay. There's two really good teams. Everybody else is really – you know, they're good teams. And then Vanderbilt. So any of those good teams can beat any of those good teams. And they have not gotten it done. And and certainly the, the Mississippi State offensive situation is has gotten to be abysmal. I don't know what I don't know what the story is there. I I I need smarter football people than me to explain that to me. Um but you know, Auburn losing to, to South Carolina, I think that going into this season and again, everything's changed, we all know that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dwell on the the COVID stuff and everything, but everything has been so weird and so different. But still, going into this season, I looked at like Auburn and went, I don't know. I don't know about them. I think they might be 
pretty good, but they might not be because I know how uh, Gus Malzahn is, right? This is a team that should have lost last week, as we know. Then they lose to South Carolina. When they brought Chad Morris in, my first reaction was, well, that, that seems kind of stupid. Chad Morris now, in the last three years of in the SEC, has been in the bottom 10 in conference games only in terms of total points. They don't score. His teams don't score. They didn't score at Arkansas. They're not scoring at Auburn. So it is a weird deal there. Um, that seemed to have been a mistake. I didn't think it was a good move. It's almost like, hey, you're a high school coach too. What if we got together and formed our little our own band and see how that goes? Didn't work. Well, like I said, it was fun to watch football all day Saturday, and certainly I give I give credit to Florida State for winning that game. Although they they sh- probably should have lost it there, they kept dropping passes North Carolina, but North Carolina was so overrated. Um, but that's just there's no other choice. I was one of the people that overrated them, but we had to because there's no other teams. You know. <laughs> Teams kept losing or they weren't playing. So North Carolina probably was up there way too high. Um, they're a good team. And and that comeback was fun to watch. They just could have held on to the ball at the end. And, and um, I don't know that FSU turned a corner or anything like that. Uh, they they do seem to have found their quarterback, but he's not a very good passer. Uh, but he does – he's a Give the guy credit. He was on a separated shoulder running the ball. and Give him credit. Um, so, you know, they're 2-3 and three now, and they've still got a lot of tough games left. But I, I give them credit. Look, I, I, I will applaud anybody who does something like that and, and, and plays that hard and finds a way to win a game that it would be easy just to give it up. The crowd for that game, they listed it, at, I think, at 18,000. TV must just be doing something to our brains because every game I watch, it looks like they've got way more people than they list the crowd at. Way more. Remember when it used to be you listed the crowd to be more than were there? Yes, we had a crowd of 90,000 people. I only saw 60,000. Well, they all bought tickets. I don't know. It's almost like they're purposely dumbing it down. And to, to a point, they are. Um, all right, let's get a break here, and then we'll bring on Carlos Alvarez and talk to him about the documentary coming up about him and uh, his life and uh, his time as a Florida Gator. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. We never forget that it's your money. And ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating. Welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. It is such a great pleasure to, b- to bring on my favorite Gator football player of all time, Carlos Alvarez. And uh, uh, many of you, a lot of there's a lot of people out there that uh, probably never saw Carlos play because they're not old like me. But he was one of the greatest to ever play the game. And now they've done a documentary done by uh, Gaspar Gonzalez that's going to be on the SEC Network uh, October 27th, I believe it is. 
and um, it's going to be about Carlos. And, and and believe me, it's about more than football because Carlos was involved in a lot of things. It's great to have you on the show. Uh, I appreciate your time there, uh, Carlos. Thank you, Pat, and thank you for your kind words. Um, always uh, glad to talk to you and uh, and be with the Gator Nation. The Cuban Comet, El Gato. I was trying to think of the other nicknames you had when you were here. Chico was another Chico, one. Chico, yeah, uh, yeah. Those were those three were probably the most the most common. What was the story you used to tell about Ray Graves with El Gato? He thought it was El Gator, or right. Um, some of my teammates called me El Gato, which means cat. But Ray Graves thought that Gato was like Gator in Spanish. So one day, <laughs> you know, in the midseason, someplace. He, you know, he just—he was talking to the team. I, I, it was a Friday, I know, because we were heading to the, the hotel for the night uh, before the game, and he was giving us a talk. And one of the things we used to do back then is the offense would always have like a trick play, and uh, the defense would tell us some of their defensive schemes. So you know, everybody could be involved throughout the whole game. And so we had this trick play that involved me, and and he says, uh, you know, and. Then, you know, that guy, El uh, Gato, you know, Gator. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <to laugh. laughs> uh, that's so, um, yeah, it was pretty funny. What uh, now when when uh, when they came to you, um, I don't know if it was Gaspar or, or whether it was the ESPN people came to you and said, hey, we wanted this documentary about your time at Florida and and what you've done, um, you know, obviously in terms of social causes. Uh, what were you, what, were you surprised, or what were you thinking? I, I was definitely surprised. Um, I, I was definitely surprised, and then I then I didn't really know what to do. You know, a lot of times going back on on this stuff is a bit hard emotionally. It really is because you you live the good times, and those are those are easy. Those are never hard. But you know, there's a there's a few bumps on the road there, and um, those are hard to relive. And and what I had done is I had actually a few years back actually written, along with my son, written um, at, at his urging, a book on my first 22 years um, of life. You know, basically through my Gator years and maybe uh, maybe my years uh, my recollection at Duke. Um, where I went to law school. And uh, so we had done that, and the draft is there, but I've never done anything with it. Uh, it's a, But in doing that, it was a recollection of everything that happened, and I remember at times it was, uh, it was very difficult. So I hesitated a bit. I, I learned a little bit more about Gaspar. He actually happened to have gone to my, the same high school I did, and then he went to the University of Florida, and he just had always, you know, uh, he had been wanting to do this for a while. He had done some documentaries uh, in the past, and right. he was wanting to do this, and he talked me into it. And I um, really have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed being with him and uh, and uh, learning his craft. I've learned a lot about documentary making, which is a very difficult process, and uh really have enjoyed the process, even though at times, like I thought, it was a little bit difficult emotionally. Well, it'll probably be difficult when you see it, because you haven't seen it yet, right? I have not seen it. I have. I told him, he's asked me if I wanted to see it ahead of time. 
uh, once he finished it, but I said, no, um, I want to see it when everybody else sees it. And um, I know a lot of the things that were went into it, so I have some ideas, um, but I uh, but really, I have not seen it, you know, and it goes he's a he's interviewed um, a lot of people, including you know coach Doug Dickey and anybody who you know I know he interviewed uh, uh, Steve Spurrier and uh, some other people um, and I think he interviewed Leonard George and Willie Jackson mm-hmm. um, but I, but he's interviewed a number of people, uh, including some of my teammates and um so I'm looking forward to it because I don't know anything about the interviews, and uh, we'll see what comes out. And obviously, this is a story of a of a guy who comes over from Cuba and uh, is a Cuban immigrant with his family, uh, doesn't speak a word of English, and uh, and becomes a, a great football player. Certainly in high school, and then obviously at Florida, bursts on the scene here, third play of the game. We all remember it very well and and it keeps right. going and has has a great career but also gets very involved in stuff and involved with uh social causes and you know i know that that you told me this story uh and i i assume you told this story in the uh documentary maybe maybe you don't want me revealing it but that you got you the only game you didn't start was because doug dickey benched you because you were getting involved in in these social causes Right. I, I had gotten involved, uh, in, believe it or not, starting an athlete's union. Um, and um, it wasn't my idea, but because I had notoriety at the time, I had become a, you know, an All-American and all of that, um, the group decided that I should become the, the president of it. And I did. And it, it, it was really um, – it was really – I mean, the issues weren't as dramatic as today because we didn't know it needed to be that dramatic. But uh, back at the time, a couple of University of Florida tennis players were kicked kicked off the athletic team because they had long hair. I mean, wow. think about that. That's amazing. Just because they had long hair. And so we wanted the athletes to have basically the same rights as every other student at the university, like visitation rights at dorms, things like that. And so the union was formed for that and to and to do a lot of other things. But what I didn't realize is that the word union, I think I told you this before, is like kryptonite in the state of Florida. And right away, a lot of people took advantage of that, including some press from out of state, like the, I remember the Atlanta Constitution claiming that the union was going to decide whether Florida went to a bowl game or not. I mean, it, it really, it was just absolutely <laughs> ridiculous, you know. And uh, so we changed it to the League of Florida Athletes within a, within a month because we realized that was a huge mistake. Um, but still, um, it, it got a lot of bad publicity. And, 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 and Doug and I had a very complicated relationship, Doug Dickey and I. And uh, so I did. I got benched for the Auburn game. Um, uh, my my junior year uh, to start the game, and that's the first and the only time, really, unless I, I was injured, that I did not start in a game. Actually, in any sport that I'd ever played, which I played baseball and, and basketball too, and it's the only game that I sat the the, the first uh, the first series down. That really um, it, it was unfortunate. Uh, it was unfortunate, but uh, but that's the way it was. Uh, back then, um, and uh, hopefully we've made some progress. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, obviously you, you dealt with uh, integration on the football team too, which was something that was a long time coming. Yes, of course. Um, I played, the 69 team was the, the last all-white uh, University of Florida team. And uh, But the year after I got recruited, Leonard George and Willie Jackson got recruited. And, of course, they were the first uh, African-American football players to play at uh, at Florida. Um, and so there was a lot of uh, turmoil back then um, because of that. I mean, all over the Southeastern Conference. You know, Kentucky was the first one uh, to uh, – to bring black players in, that's a really interesting story that, I don't, you know, someday we can talk about. But, uh, you know, it, it was uh, just beginning. So Leonard George and Willie Jackson, as well as the University of Florida as a whole, the University of Florida as a whole back in 68-69 uh, only had about 150 or so students. And I'm, don't hold me to that number, but it was basically in that, at that range. And uh, Willie Jackson came on board and they did a fantastic job. You know, they were the, the Jackie Robinsons of, of, of um, Florida football. And, you know, because they're such nice people and really um, did such a wonderful job, there was not a lot of controversy created by that. Um, you know, and even though, you know, I've had my, my problems <laughs> with uh, Doug Dickey, <laughs> You know, I give him a lot of credit because I think he brought that era on. Um, and, you know, he, uh, Leonard George and Willie Jackson were recruited under Ray Graves, but but basically they they were Doug Dickey's players coming in, as well as you know all the Kendricks and everybody else that came after that. And um, you know, with um, in, in anyway, uh, you know, Doug Dickey had to face a lot of that because it was a. Uh, a lot of backlash, you know, and when he made Don Gaffney the first African American quarterback at University of Florida, there was a lot of controversy. But Absolutely. they did it, uh, and um, you know, hopefully, we've moved uh, we moved that racial ball forward um, um, in a significant way. You know, I didn't know this story until it was told to me by somebody the other day, and then I talked to you about it, and that. Uh, there were so many people that were so against what you were trying to do in terms of trying to get some rights for the students. And you were even told things like, go back where you came from, go back to Cuba. And then, uh, and then you were not, Florida would not put you into the uh, athletic hall of fame. One of the greatest players in the history of the university of Florida would not put you in until Lee McGriff got involved in it. And uh, in the nineties, and and said if if he's not in, nobody should be in, and finally got that done. That that is amazing to me. I didn't know that story until Lee told me, and then I told it to you the other day. And I don't think you knew the story either. No, I I did not. I, I knew it had been held up, and I figured it was something like that. I, um, you know, there was something like that, but I didn't know that. Lee and I were were friends at University of Florida. I laugh about this because Lee. He used to go out there and kind of practice with us, and I thought he wanted to be a, a receiver and all of that, and, and I thought, I don't think he'll ever make it <laughs> because, <laughs> because he just wasn't big enough, you know. And, I and and uh, my goodness, was he a great receiver, yeah. you know, and we all remember his, his uh, great game at Georgia, but he was a great receiver. And remember, he didn't have 
what I had, a guy by the name of John Reeves. And right. so Lee was, was great, but I didn't know Lee had done that. And of course, um, the tra- you know, uh, Lee and the McGriff family has been so incredible at University of Florida over the years. I mean, I can't think of really any, any other family that has had that kind of a long-term impact with Lee and Travis and um, their father before them. So anyway, uh, I, di- I didn't know that. I appreciate that Lee did that. Lee never told me about it. Um, and, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very appreci- appreciative it, that Lee uh, took that step. You know, as much as I'm looking forward to the, uh, the social part of it, and, um, of course, you guys weren't dealing with name, image, and likeness at the time, it's amazing to think where we are now uh, in those terms. Uh, but I can't wait to watch – video of you playing football because there's very little of it that I see on a regular basis. And, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I, I can remember it by closing my eyes. That's the best way for me to remember the way you played. I, and you told me that there were some great angles that, that they told you about that'll be on there. So, and I would, I would just suggest to any Gator fans that are out there and listen to this, you, I mean, you're going to watch it because he's one of the greats. Carlos Alvarez, 88 catches as a, as a sophomore, and all the great things that, that he did. But just to watch how good he was and what the routes that he ran, the speed he had, everything he had, just watch it because I don't think – I think the average guy, the average Gator fan has heard of you. You know, the younger fans have heard of you, but they don't really realize how good a player you were. Well, thank you, Pat. Um and I'm glad your memory is not good. <laughs> no, thank you, Pat. I, I really appreciate it. I really, I had so much fun playing, um, and um, really, and I had so much fun playing for the Gators. And I'm glad that that, that was the the, the school uh, that I chose. But when I think back, it's been 50 years. You know, it's been 50 years. And when I think back, what you know, say. Um, 1969-70, if I think back 50 years, you know, okay, what it was like if I thought back 50 years then, that would have put me at World War One. So <laughs> I can see, if you, if you look, if you kind of look at it from that angle, I can see why people would not remember. And, you know, really, we have had, um, I'm glad that before me, we had the Charlie Casey's and the Richard Traps, and after me, we had the you know, the, and, and I'm going to leave a lot of people out that are a lot of great players out. But you know, I always remember West Chandler, and of course, um, um, you know, some of the uh, Percy Harvin. I mean, these guys were just tremendous, and it was to me, it was a joy to watch to watch them do their their work out there. I saw Percy one time do a do a move that I still can't believe anybody could make that move at full speed. And, uh, so it's been, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's been a long, all I can say really to, 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 to your comment. It's, I can see why 50 years is a long time. And, uh, I, I came on, on the shoulders of other players. And I think other players have come on the shoulders of us that, that preceded them. And it's always good to remember, to remember, to remember that. And you know, who was, of uh, the, the um, Urban Meyer was actually a very good coach. At, he, he, he was a historian, a football historian, and he, uh, he was really good about um, thinking about older players and what they brought in. And, um, mm-hmm. and I, I remember when, when he coached at Florida, um, he even had some of us back to just kind of talk about it a little bit. 
Um, in fact, I brought a football for him. I brought a football for him to sign. It's a football that has um, really a lot of SEC receiving records because it was the last football that I caught. And at that at that point, it ended up with a lot of records. And he knew the make of that football, and he knew exactly what I mean. And he was amazed by the football itself. Um, that's how much of a historian he was. Um, so it's a lot of fun going back sometimes, and uh, even though it is a long time. Was it a J5V? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man! You got to give me some props, right? That, that is good. <laughs> I just remember. Is, I remember when John really Reese threw the nine picks. They said that he had they they gave him a J six V and that threw him off. So, I, I well back then, if I remember correctly, I, I may be wrong about this, but I'm, if I remember correctly, um, the the home team got to choose the football. Right, they did. Yeah. Yeah, and and that created a you know that that was stupid obviously because that created a problem. But nobody had I mean most teams didn't have the passing game that we had didn't have John. But I will tell you that the the famous nine interceptions <laughs> may have been a little bit of the football, <laughs> but it was also the Auburn defensive backs <laughs> had something to do with it. You know, and I always say this because, you know, uh, I dearly miss John and gosh, what a, what a wonderful person he was. You know, when, when everybody, anybody thinks of that nine interceptions, they think John Reeves. Well, no, they ought to think John Reeves, the receivers, the offensive line. There was a lot of mistakes made in that game by a lot of people. It wasn't just John throwing nine. I'm glad that we just, threw the hell out of the ball. In fact, it, it's historic almost because we threw it 66 times. Auburn with uh, Beasley and uh, and Sullivan threw it about 33 or so. So we almost had 100 throws in that game. And John completed 33 to us and 9 to, to Auburn. And <laughs> and Pat Sullivan had a great day. I mean, this, this game lasted forever. <laughs> it lasted forever. Okay. But there, there was something for everyone in that game. He is a great Carlos Alvarez. You can see the documentary on, I believe it's October 27th, right? On uh, the SEC e- Network? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's so uh, I, I encourage everybody to watch it. And uh, you'll get to know a little bit more about Carlos and what a great player he was. We'll be back with more of the Duly Noted Podcast right after we take this break. All right, we uh, we'll we'll do the spreads and uh, we'll get to three things again. Thanks to Carlos for coming on. We get the Big Ten this week, and I will say this is kind of funny. I'm such an SEC snob, but I don't mean it in a snobby way. Like the SEC is the best conference. We all know that. Nobody can even argue it anymore. They get put the most players in the in the um, in the NFL. It's the best conference. We know. Okay, we get it. But when I'm watching SEC games, I am so into them because I like SEC football. I'm curious what teams are going to look like. And again, most of them will play Florida this year with 10 games and everything. So, But they, this week, we, I've, I've had a lot of where people have been talking about the Big Ten. And, well, you know, I think this and this. And I go, eh, i got to find another channel. I don't, you know, I haven't listened to Howard Stern much this this, this um football season because if you're going to be on the the one college channel and you're going to talk about the Big Ten, I really don't care. Play some games, then we'll talk about it. 
but we do get them. I'm not ex- overly excited about them, but I do get more negative rooting. I get the negative root against Michigan, so there's that. I don't know if I'm going to have to buy any more T-shirts, but you never know. So let's talk about the spreads. We'll start with the Big Ten. This is a bet a lot of people are jumping on. The Wisconsin's getting giving 20 points to Illinois. And again, we have I couldn't name one player in Illinois, okay? Wisconsin's quarterback got hurt, I think. I don't know. I mean, I would not bet on this, but that seems like a lot of points. Uh, Florida State. Start opened at plus nine. They were getting nine points uh, at Louisville. That's dropped to, to five points at Louisville. Uh, boy, I would have liked to get in the FSU plus nine. And again, I'm not encouraging betting here. I'm just saying, I'm telling you things that are indi- indicative of what the the bookies and what people who do this for a living think. Alabama is giving 21 at Tennessee. I would bet on Tennessee, and here's why. I think Alabama's great as Alabama is. There's got to be a little letdown after that game, right? I mean, I give that team credit because they had to deal with a Nick Saban distraction and is he going to be there or not, and does it matter if he's there, and blah, 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 you know, all that stuff. And they came out, and the second half just destroyed Georgia. So I give them credit, but I got to think there's got to be a little bit of a letdown. And for Tennessee, you know, you're look, the last two games you've shown that you are Kardashians. Maybe you can get back into making people realize that you're you've got a really good team. Again, they haven't beaten anybody during that that long win streak and now they're playing kind of real teams. <laughs> And it's not going well for him. Although Kentucky, you know, oof. that was a, I mean, Guarantano was just awful in that game and he got benched. Real good game. You would think North Carolina, 17 point favorite over NC State. It seems like that may be a lot of points because NC State's not bad. I watched a lot of their game. I had the three TVs going. Okay. It was, it was fun Saturday. Um, Miami's 11 over Virginia. I don't know if Miami's any good or not. Um, Ohio State, 26 over Nebraska. I saw a great quote from Scott Frost who said, "He because he, he, he is going to root for Ohio State to win every game except the game against, obviously, Nebraska because of how they kind of dragged the Big 12 or the Big 10 into, this, into playing games. And that's a great point. Everybody should be everybody in that conference should be Ohio State fans, except when they have to play them. It's probably not going to go well those days. But I'm curious to see how good Nebraska, uh, Ohio State is. Do they blow Nebraska out as they're predicted to? Twenty six point favorites. Iowa State is uh, a three and a half point underdog at Oklahoma State. That, that could be a really good game. That that'll be the one of the games that are that's on the three TV setup. Um, and if you would feel feel like if Oklahoma State loses, that might just about do it for the Big 12. Um, Clemson is a mere 46.5-point favorite over Syracuse, which got blown out by Liberty. 
last week. Now, a lot of people were ranking Liberty. I didn't rank Liberty. I looked at their schedule. I wanted to make sure who they'd beat, and they haven't beaten anybody. They are 5-0, and but just being 5-0 is not enough. You have to have beaten somebody. The over-under in that game, by the way, 61.5, that to me is a lock bet of the week. Clemson's going to score a lot of points, you would think. Although you, they, they aren't going to get 73 like they did last week. Um, Auburn it opened as a six-point favorite at Mississippi. has dropped to three. Wise guys are betting Ole Miss. I have no idea on this game. i got to do my picks Thursday, and I'm like, who am I picking in this game? I have no earthly idea. I don't know what Auburn is. And I, I kind of know what Ole Miss is. They can do a lot of good things offensively. But, you know, Matt Corral threw six picks last week, so I don't know. Michigan, a three-point favorite at Minnesota. That, that'll be a good game, I, I would think. Minnesota has been ranked in the poll. Minnesota is 0-0, zero and zero, but they, they continue to be ranked. And I haven't ranked them just because I don't. Like, I, like, I'm going to rank Ohio State because I know Ohio State's good. I know Michigan's going to be good enough to be a top 25 team. I don't, I, they'll, they'll screw some things up. I know that. I've had Wisconsin ranked, uh, but I'm not going to rank Minnesota just because P.J. Fleck is there. Now, they beat Michigan. Obviously, they're going to be ranked. It's going to be a little bit, I'll be honest with you, a little bit easier to do the poll this week. And then finally, in the SEC, LSU's seven-point favorite at, against South Carolina, um, you know, with a, with a true freshman probably playing quarterback. Like I said, I like the South Carolina team. I think they're better than, than uh, a lot of people think they are, but they also have that ability to not get it done. I, I don't know why that is. They just, you know, just when you kind of get into them, they, they falter, uh, so I'd stay away from that. And then Kentucky, a six-point favorite at Missouri. Well, I'll be watching that game, I think, just to see what happens and what Missouri looks like. Missouri, ridiculous, the points they put up against LSU two weeks ago. Now we're going to see what they look like with a bye week. They have an advantage and that they get to play, and Florida does not this week. I don't think there's any question about that. So we'll see that how that goes. All right, quickly, we need to get to three things. We're, we're getting a little bit late here. It's time for three things. Number one, it hurts, it stings. I've not gotten over it. I can't even listen to uh, you know, advertisements for the World Series. Uh, the Braves, uh, I love that team. That team, and I saw some of the uh, Instagram posts that they had thanking the fans and everything. And uh, I, I uh, th- that team, I, I really adored that team. They were fun to watch. It was a, you know, it's funny, it was a long season, even though it was only a 60-game season. But to get that far in the playoffs, have that many intense games, it's it really hurts. It, it, it was a, uh, it's tough. But they did more than I thought they would do, and I, I, I appreciate it. Like I said in my column, um, I'll root for the Rays, but I won't watch. I don't care that much about what happens there. I just have to let baseball float away like Wilson the volleyball. It's done. I'm just going to concentrate on football. Number two, 
The Dallas Cowboys lost last night. And what's a little bit of that game? They're now 2-4, and four, which puts them firmly in first place in the division. Nice division. The other teams are 1-4-1, 1-5, 1-5. This does happen every once in a while where you get a, a, a division in the NFL where nobody's any good, and that's what you have there. Andy Dalton certainly was not the answer. A lot of people were trying to talk me into Andy Dalton's. A, he's a game manager. He's really good managing. You know, you got all those other good players, but the trouble for them is their offensive line is gone. Everybody's hurt. It's not. And they're going to get in the playoffs with like a four and ten or four and twelve record. Okay, I don't know if I want to watch that game either. And finally, number three, Tua Tonga Viola is starting this week, and I know a lot of people are happy. I'm curious to watch him play. But this team was three and three in one game out of first place. Now, if you're a Dolphin fan, you've been probably wanting to see Tua play, but at the same time, you may be giving up any chance you had to win in the division because he's a rookie, hadn't played. He played a little bit in the last game. It's a curious move. I will say that. It's a curious move. And I tell you what, if I was Dallas, I would be calling Miami going, hey, that, that guy with the big beard that looks like a little bit like Zach Galifianakis, uh, we'll trade you somebody for him, you know, one of our injured linemen, because we need somebody that at le- that's that good. If we get somebody that's that good, we can get to 6-10, and 10, and we've won the division. That's what I would do if I was them. All right, that's going to do it for our podcast today. Again, no podcast Thursday, but we'll be back next week with a doubleheader like we uh, usually do when the Gators are playing, and hopefully they are playing. Until next time, this is Pat Dooley, Sports Commerce of the Gainesville Sun. I am deep, I am way back, and I am out of here. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.